Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Away we go with another episode. Yay! <laughs> Today we will be talking about the Big O orgasms. The big o, yes. Uh, we've got an a interview with Rule of Three, mm-hmm. who does an orgasm class, and his focus is along the lines of. Um, or forcing orgasms for pleasure is mostly what he's going to talk about. Yeah, it seems like that's mostly the, the theme of it, though. He does talk a little bit about denial and, and things like that. So, But, yeah, very much from a, a, a play point of view. Mm-hmm. And we are, too, also going to speak on orgasm in all kinds of variety. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the... Um, not only orgasm denial, but uh, orgasm control. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of Taoism, sacred sexuality, kind of that bend. Some of the philosophy behind why right. you want to control your orgasm, some of the energy, energetics around it, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, podcast listeners that have been around for a little while, I, I'm sure I've mentioned on occasion, I like to do some uh, pod, some. Um, Orgasm control stuff for myself. Some <laughs> you were going to say podcast <laughs> control. I, I know. What the hell is that? Mean? I have no clue. But yeah, the, the orgasm control and the Taoism and the Tantra. And <clears> yeah, <throat> I'm sure you've talked about that on here before. And we'll give that one a good review as we talk about the big O. Nice. Before we get there, we have a couple other, a little other business to talk about. You know, not even business, but uh, just some of the joys of our travels recently. Yes. <laughs> we, um, we had so a- I figured out something, speaking of orgasm control, and this will be okay. a lack of orgasm control. Um, <laughs> some time ago, Maui Kink sent us some rope, and I was getting all enthusiastic about yes. doing rope work, and then I'll go to an event and see what a real rigger can do, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I can get my single column tie, and I'm happy. And uh, But what I found out was, though, we went to a swing club mm-hmm. in the Dayton, Ohio. Yes. And... Um, in a swing club, my little single column tie and Texas handcuff, people are like, ooh, ooh wow, look, look at, at you. This. Oh, my gosh, you must be famous. <laughs> so um, take that great answer. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That was, was a lot of fun. Um, we decided, uh, for, for Dan and I, uh, we have a problem with date nights. So we try to do date nights every now and then because our home has become very domestic. And it, it's hard for us to play at home. So we, we picked places to go out to for our date night. So. And this time we picked a, uh, a swing club. In Dayton that we, that we have not been to in many, many years. It's really so. funny to, to go to a place you've been 10 years ago and, and right. pretty much had the same look and feel. Although mm-hmm. we would walk around and we'd say, boy, that wall wasn't there. I remember watching... Our friends A and B screwing yeah. there. That wall could have been there. We even made the noises that they made. So we have a good memory for that from 10 years. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. So that was uh, our date nights. We went out yes. to the whole swing club thing. And it was it was really interesting because we did get to use a couple of pieces of the, the Maui kink rope. Mm-hmm. And um, just to be able to use it, I remember saying that I didn't like the coconut rope mm-hmm. because it was so it was abrasive to me it was more like twine 
and um, we went to a uh, fetish night one time, and we were we pulled out the coconut rope, and you know, I'm like, you know, the only thing I could think of to use this for would be to bind the breast. Mm-hmm. And another dom said, "Oh, you mean cupcake style?" And I'd never heard that before. And and when he, you know, did the motion for it, what that meant, I'm like, absolutely. Well, we got to try it <laughs> at the swing club. You were trying a different type of rope, and it kept sliding off my breast. Right. So you tried the coconut rope, and it was like, and it bit right in, and it stayed put. <laughs> so it's funny, because when we did the initial review on the different ropes that mm-hmm. Maui Kink sent us, uh, we did not, I, I posted it, they did not, did not like the, the coconut rope. And, right. Uh, they were cool with that. They they understood that, you know, mm-hmm. we are going to share what we thought. And, uh, but, but I keep using it. I keep coming back to mm-hmm. it. It's a great rope for grabbing things that rope normally slides off of. Now, the way, I'm not a great rigger. Um, I'm sure that uh, Master Phoenix or Great Answer or any of the other hundreds of people we know that are good riggers could have made cupcakes out of your boobies <laughs> with nylon or MPR. F- NPR. I don't know what that rope's called. Um, that's probably not NPR, though. I don't think so. That's government-funded rope. Um, could make easy great breast bondage with that rope. I right. am having difficulty, but the coconut rope is very grippy and grabby. Mm-hmm. So, um, And it's very abrasive, but it didn't really bother me. No. Because it was on your breast. Not I mine. know, so. but it was wonderful. <laughs> so, so I love the colors, the way you overlaid the colors and the knots. It actually really looked really good. Yep. Loved it. And then somehow Friday night, we ended up at another swing club. We did. But that was a different dealio. Yep. That was a uh, one of our local swing clubs here in central Ohio. The, uh, a, uh, the kink night takes over the top floor of the swing club and they right. turn it into more of a... Uh, BDSM yeah, like feel a fetish, to it. yeah. So fetishy, BDSM ropey. Mm-hmm. Ran into a lot of friends there, and we actually ran into um, the. Every <laughs> once in a while, we'll run into somebody who only knows us from the podcast, I know. and they're so like, weird. "Oh, ooh, wow!" <laughs> it's particularly strange when it happens in Columbus, we yes. are in our hometown, absolutely, because everybody knows us in our hometown. Right. So it's like we're just Dan and Dawn. You know, what? I think we have less podcast listeners here in our hometown than anywhere else. I don't know why. Because they hear us talk all the time. Yeah, they're probably tired (laughs) of hearing us talk. So it's really interesting to run into somebody who's... um who thinks we're famous in our hometown. Now, right. they were they were very gracious and very appreciative of the podcast and some of the educational stuff and the information we put out there, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little aw shucks kind of moment, right. you know, when it happens in your backyard. Kind of scuff your feet a little bit, you know. So he was cute, too. <laughs> <laughs> I see him record, and we, uh, we will refer to that person as R. Yes. Uh, not only was he uh, cute in general, mm-hmm. and he was also cute the way he was boning someone else who we knew. And that was very... Oh, no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off of that for a while. That I was really that. hot. <laughs> now who's famous? I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would watch us talking to microphones, and we'll watch you... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do lots of naughty things. And then to find out later... It was his first party. Oh, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that makes about... it all hot, too. <laughs> it, uh, the only other thing we did, um, since our last podcast, we did get to head up to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And we uh, presented for the Pittsburgh chapter of MAST, Masters mm-hmm. of Slaves Together. That went fantastic. That was awesome. So, I mean, I liked the, um, there was like 30 people there. Mm-hmm. And I liked the dynamics of the group. It was not a hetero group. Right. It was not a gay group. Right. It was a good combination. 
it was hetero, gay, transgender. There was all kinds of mixes there, and I I was fascinated. Yep. So oh, absolutely, it was a, it was a great crowd. Um, we ran into the aforementioned Grey Dancer. Yes. And um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if his, um, shall we say, significant other, I know her name, but right. I don't know if that's her scene name. Right. Or her. So right. we'll just so say. So we'll just say, oh. I was going to say uh, <laughs> Sexy Mama. Ooh. That'll be my new scene name there for her. There we go. Until <laughs> Grey Dancer beats me down with all this <laughs> PX90 bulk or whatever. Um. But that was really a lot of fun. Yes. And we got to talk about um, Living MS. So it got a lot of uh, head nods and, you know, people agreeing with it, people understanding where we were coming from, um, people asking great questions. Absolutely. So that kept us on track and, and everything like that. And it was just, you got to embarrass a few people, well, one in particular. <laughs> By calling, by pretending she was a mistress. Oh, good God. She turned beet red. Obviously, that does not work for her. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. Uh, you know, it's so hard not to, to break away from the script to talk about the big secret. I know. Isn't <laughs> it? It's so very hard. And I'm so hoping we can do it by next week. Yes, so I we'll mean, just keep Officially, we here. could because everything's in place, but it just feels like it'll be better to wait till next week. Yes. I so, think. But... <laughs> we will wait until we have a picture. Yes, sir. Then we will. Okay. Um, for those uh, podcast listeners that have been with us for a long time and write us and say, you guys are like friends. Uh-huh. Uh, they're like, ooh, I wonder what the big secret is. And those podcast listeners that just want to hear us talk about orgasm control. Right, right. Get on with it. <laughs> so let's do that. So, you know what? So we, we mentioned earlier that we had a listener in Columbus and, mm-hmm. you know, they treated us like we were famous, which is cute, nice, and it's nice to be appreciated. Uh, there is a... Uh, a listener in Australia who this wrote, so and his cool. name is is uh, Fetnik, at least, is natural-born Kingsta. Love it. <laughs> and, he, you know, he's, I, our little, we had a little conversation. I said something like, we'd love mm-hmm. to come out to Australia sometimes. And he said, we'd love to have you out there. I said, well, if you ever hear any of events out there, we'll pitch and see if we can get them out there. He says, well, right. maybe we can just bring you out. So, long story <laughs> short, he's created a new group on FetLife. Australia Gets an Erotic Awakening is the name of the group. Love it. Not a whole lot of members yet, but <laughs> we're hoping that uh, any of our Australia listeners head over there. Join Australia Gets an Erotic Awakening. And maybe we'll see people in Australia at some point soon. I think if we had uh, uh, 10,000 listeners and they put in $10 each, they could buy a plane and fly us there. <laughs> or a 1,000 listeners might buy us plane tickets. Or a 100 listeners could somehow fool a taxi <laughs> into taking us from Ohio to Australia. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you are one of our Australian listeners, go head over there to um, the Australia, Australia gets, gets an erotic awakening. Nice. Um, and if you're not, and you want to help people get... Get the word out anyway at all. Um, you can do that via rating us on iTunes, iTunes, tweet, iTunes, <laughs> tweeting a message, <laughs> tweet about us or like us on Facebook. You can find our Facebook page, Erotic Awakening, one word. Yes. Um, and on Twitter, we are Dan and Dawn. So. 
Now we have to uh, move this podcast along because we got to get moving. We do. So we talked about some stuff that we have done, and it's kind of funny. The Swing Club, the Fetish Night, and Mass were like three days in a row. It was mm-hmm. a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So we're getting ready to um, uh, busy up again over the next three weeks, but at least it's spread out over three weeks. It is so. spread out over three weeks. This week coming up, we have the good old... Uh, Sensations. Sensations in leather. We'll be heading for Chicago, Chicago. Illinois. And that's just this weekend coming up, April Fool's weekend. Yeah, we leave Thursday night and head on up there. What are so we presenting anyway? We are presenting. Oh, I know one of the classes we're presenting is your <laughs> mindfulness of a slave. Yeah, it's a brand new one. Brand That'll new. Be the first run of that one. Mm-hmm. That's based on my uh, two-minute speech when uh, we were running for international master and slave. So. It'll now be longer and a lot more in it. And we're also doing um, Sensual Humiliation. Oh, good. Good. That's <laughs> one we'll have to... I love that one. Have we done a podcast on Sensual Humiliation? I'm not sure if we have or not. I mean, how we've done a hundred <laughs> podcasts. It's hard to tell if, it, if it's made it in there or not. But... We'll probably come back from that trip and want to do a podcast on mm-hmm. Sensual Humiliation. That'll probably be pretty interesting. Yeah. So a mindfulness one would be kind of slow, I think. But uh, sensual humiliation would be awesome. It will be awesome. So, so, so that's, that's uh, Chicago, on. right around the corner. Um, right. We'll also be running twelve-step meetings. Uh, absolutely for the uh, recovery and the lifestyles twelve-step uh, group. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting. Um, I continue to find people that I used to know when I was. You know, fresh in recovery. <laughs> uh, you know, just starting to get my shit together. Right. And I find him on FetLife. I know. <laughs> you showed me somebody yesterday and he contacted you back and said, yes. <laughs> I don't recall reading in the uh, the AA big book about, um, <laughs> you know, first you'll get sober, then you'll get your life together, then you'll learn responsibilities, and then you'll break, buy a flogger. <laughs> and I start beating the shit out of people. But apparently that's the way ours is going. So great. So we'll be running that 12-step meeting at Sensations. And then the following weekend, we're going to um, Beyond Leather in Fort Lauderdale. And then we will be back in Columbus for Bottoms Buffet. So lots going on. Yeah, and we'll share more information about mm-hmm. that stuff coming up. Uh, Bottoms Buffet, brand new event here in our hometown. So yes. that's really interesting. And this will be our first trip to Beyond Leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going up in the auction on that one. We are. We're going up in the auction. We're co-topping a um, energetic, sacred sexuality sort of scene. There's nothing like becoming humble than getting your ass up on the auction block and nobody bidding on you. Oh, I know. And the, We've the done this, that before. We've for, been on that auction block before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for people who have not been to events before, sometimes at these events, they'll do a charity thing called a presenter's auction. And they'll put mm-hmm. the presenters up there. You bid real money on them. Mm-hmm. And the money that's collected goes to some charity of right. some sort. Right. And what you bid on is the... Uh, like an hour's worth of time. Right, and And right. usually the presenter will say um, what that hour of time will be. So, like, if it's a rope person, usually it's an hour of instruction in rope right. or a rope scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, we're going to do the sacred sexuality, sacred touch. Right. Co-topping scene. Not actual sexy sex. Right. Not actually, you know, prostitution, not actual penetration no, type yeah, stuff. No. But sensuality type stuff. Absolutely. So. So that's going on. Um, so life is kind of busy again. Yes. Yes. So if you're going to Beyond Leather, um, yeah, standing up there and not being bid on is is when the crickets start coming out. That's, yeah, 
bid on us, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you're at any of these events that we're at, you know, mm-hmm. uh, feel free, gra- you know, like, holler at us, grab us. We'll be happy to sit down with a cup of coffee or just other be things. Grabbed. <laughs> or just be grabbed. Um, and go from there. Matter of fact, if we have listeners in Fort Lauderdale, we actually built in some extra time into we that did. trip. So that's April, August, April, April, April. 9th and 10th and 11th and 12th, because mm-hmm. we added some time. We did. So if you're a Fort Lauderdale area listener, feel free to yell at us and we'll have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. after the event, even if you're not going. And if you could give us a trip to the beach, that would be really <laughs> swell as well. <laughs> that would be swell. <laughs> um, so moving right along, maybe you're not traveling. Maybe you are one of those people sitting here in central Ohio saying, what do I got to do? I'm not going to travel. No problem. The Adventures in Sexuality April Fool's Party is happening on April 9th, which is not April Fool's Day, but it's Saturday, April 9th from uh, 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. They are taking over the uh, Club Princeton's uh, VIP room right, that we talked about right. earlier. Big old top half of, of a club. They will be bringing in a bunch of equipment and stuff, and it'll be a good old time. It is. Their parties are always great. I've always enjoyed myself with, with one of these style of parties. So, cram in people and play on the equipment, and it's a party. Absolutely. You know, um, and I do want to mention this other thing really quick. Speaking of events, so maybe... Mm-hmm. Um, you want to go to an event, and maybe you want to go to camp out. Well, it just so happens that registration prices for camp out are going up on April 15th. Okay. So if you're going to register, you should register now. Go Do it before right. the tax cutoff day. Yes, I know. <laughs> April 15th. There's got a lot of things going on on April 15th. But, uh, so go register for camp out right now. And I will put a link on the show notes since I cannot recall the website offhand. Right. Neither can I. So, and Camp Out is in West Virginia. It is. So, not too far from Central Ohio. But have I got a deal for you? A deal. A deal indeed. (laughs) So, if you are going to come to Camp Out, and let's say you're going to come on Friday. You're not going to go for the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're just going to come in on Friday for whatever reason. Okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. And let's say you're going to come in from Columbus or the Columbus area. Or you could stop in the Columbus area on your way to camp out. Okay. I'm picturing this. Okay. If you can come in on Friday, then you can go to Columbus. I'm sorry. You can go to camp out from Columbus. You can get in for the volunteer rate of $75 and you don't have to do nothing special except, except one thing, except one thing. Mm-hmm. While you're in Columbus, pick up the fabulous Lee Harrington mm-hmm. and drive him from Columbus to camp out as Lee is presenting there. And yeah. we'll be in Columbus and needs to ride down. Yep. And um, needs to be picked up by 8 a.m. on Friday in Columbus. And, you know, what a fabulous... I want to take Lee to camp out. I would love to have Lee in the car. Well, in the truck pulling the pop-up, you know, <laughs> just for that many hours. Oh, wait, we're bringing him home. We are bringing him so, home. So, but, you know, just to have that conversation time. I, I know. It, uh, fabulous. Uh, that is always one of my fantasies when I run into really, these really interesting... Uh, people, whether they're presenters or authors or whatever, mm-hmm. is just to have some time where we can just sit and chill and think, talk yeah. and pick their brains and they can pick my brain and we just like, you know, hang out. Uh, for me, if I was going to make, you know, making the trip anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just pure bonus, you know, Absolutely. and getting it in for a reduced price. Shit. Absolutely. Oops. I think that's part of what started the podcast because I remember you telling Tristan 
Terramino, mm-hmm. you know, if I won you in an auction or if we were in an elevator, I wish it would break down so that I could talk to you. <laughs> right, right. So, and this is a great opportunity to do that. I concur. So, uh, if you would like to find out more about that, you could just write, well, you can write Dan and Dawn and we'll put you in touch with the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan and Dawn at if you want to get a hold of us for any other reason, you can write that same email address or you could call the voicemail, which is 206-309-0054. Boy, you sure got that shit memorized. I know, but it's been two weeks. I almost stumbled on it. We are almost to the point where we're going to talk about orgasms. Yay. But I knew the- you were going to say yay. <laughs> but first, uh, we had a question come to us. Yeah. That uh, is a really interesting question. It is. So, and um, I wasn't sure that I had an answer for her. So I decided to give it to the listeners and see what they have to think. And the question is, can you, do you think it is possible to have two monogamous relationships? So let me give a little bit of background of what she means by two monogamous relationships. Because Good, because it didn't make no right, sense to me. Right, right. You know, the whole label thing is is um, where it might stick, you know, get you stuck at. So the scenario would be her husband, who is her primary partner, um, is going to be working a job that takes him away for two months at a time. Every two months. So two months home, two months away, two months home, two months away. And they are thinking of um, her getting another, quote, husband or another partner for the two months that he's away. So, but she wouldn't be dating anybody. It would be two relationships and she would be monogamous with each one. So two parallel relationships. Two parallel relationships. So they wouldn't cross. They would be parallel. When the husband's home, he's not really going to be interested in palling around with the other person. Mm-hmm. I'm sure just knowing them, I'm sure he will, you know, at least get to know him or whatever. But it's not like it's going to be a triad or anything. Right. So, and it's, so I guess it would be kind of a V. Yeah. But different. Yes. So, because the second person can live with her those two months. But not the next two months right. when the husband's home. So right. it's two separate relationships. And she's just curious. I mean, she's labeling it as two monogamous relationships because that's how she's looking at it. And she wants to know if it's possible. I have never heard of such a thing. Me neither. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess it happens. But I've not heard of such a thing. It'd be a really interesting and strange situation to be. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who have one partner who's... Gone for extended amount of time, mm-hmm. and um, for some reason, the the visual I get is a wrestling match with mm-hmm. tag teams. Right, one partner <laughs> comes in, tag off, and the tag, other partner, yeah, suitcase in, suitcase out. Right, right you know. Right. So you know, I could I could see that happening, and I think what I stressed to her though was um, finding the right person. You know, someone that would be willing to come in two months at a time. So I don't know. We I have no see. clue. I have no clue either. Uh, what we'd like, though, is not people that have opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm cool with your opinions and thoughts, but I'd really like to have people that have some kind of experience, experience. in like situations. 
and give us a holler mm-hmm. and help us to answer this question. If you would like to be on the podcast to answer the question, great. We'll hook up your Skype account. Right. Uh, if you are in the Ohio area, we'll just invite you into the studio. We'll have some tea. We'll have some tea and chat about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you just want to write in your answer, that's cool too, and we'll read it. Uh, so it's a really interesting topic, but um, you know, one of our little things on the podcast is um, if you write us about advice about your bad back, we'll say go see a chiropractor. Right. If you right. write us about advice on something we have no experience on, such as dual monogamy parallel mm-hmm. relationships, we'll say, I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll ask the audience. So, but yeah, absolutely. Write in, call in, um, and let us know what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you, maybe what to watch out for. I'm just curious if this has worked for someone. You would think as many styles of relationships as there are. That there would have to be something like this out there going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. You would think. But if they're listening to Erotic Awakening is the question. Yes. <laughs> so that is it for the prequel. And that gets us to the meat of yes. the program. Orgasms. Orgasms are a nice meat to have. Yes. So, um, I don't know. Where do I want to start with this? First off, I will speak for... Um, some, I guess some of the background, the idea of it is not, is that you can look at an orgasm for all kinds of different ways. You can mm-hmm. look at, um, boy, I guess we're going to have to take a step back and explain what an orgasm is. I know. Especially just... when we get into the, the male orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you have the difference between orgasm and ejaculation. So right. it's all schmancy there. And my head is just spinning with all the tree branches and the directions that we could go with this. So... Yeah, go ahead with the... Well, let's see where we go. Okay. Um, For myself, I like to practice um, some male orgasm control, Mm -hmm. right? And what I mean by that is I like to go for extended periods of time without having an ejaculatory orgasm. Now, there we go. To be clear... There's two kinds of, there's the ejaculation, which everybody knows and everybody equates to orgasm, which all the nice white stuff comes spurting out the of money our, shot on the, the money shot yeah. on the porn, for example. Um, and the Taoist teaching is to take your orgasm and separate it from the act of ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the actual um, physiological or the, 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 the uh, physical aspect of it is there's some muscle controls you can do. It's boy kegels is a big part of it, mm-hmm. but it's also a lot of mental understanding of your own limits and how to control and allowing yourself to have wonderful energetic orgasms that right. do not involve ejaculation. Right. And you've experienced this before. So the, the separation of it, once you realize that there's a separation, so oh, I think that's part of it. You know, it's just a realization. So, and you've practiced this, so you've experienced it. So one thing you can do is, you know, one aspect of the orgasm, um, orgasm <laughs> conversation is mm-hmm. the, I, boy, I tell you, talk about orgasm, the brain goes dead. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, twitch, twitch. <laughs> You know, a lot of times we'll think orgasm denial as a punishment, or orgasm denial as play. But I, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, you know the aspect of orgasm as a choice. I choose not to orgasm. I choose not to yeah. have often, you know, ejaculatory 
orgasms. Right. And it's funny for people. A lot of people don't understand. And we've had this over the years. When you and I first started playing, we actually tried that before we knew it was a Taoist technique. Mm -hmm. You know, we just, I think, um, well, part of it's the control. So I think uh, part of it was you learning how to control me. And that was one of the tools that we used. Mm -hmm. And um, it was amazing to me how you could work up to the edge and then stop. And you would tell me to stop and all that energy would have to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it spreads through your body. You know, it can remain localized, but it also spreads through your body, which gives you kind of a energetic connection to the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of the day. And then we would do it on purpose the next day to see if we could build that energy up some more. And it would be weeks, you know, of building up this energy and not having an orgasm. And, you know, and I would tell people with, you know, I can just feel the sparkle in my eye right now. You know, it's like, this was amazing stuff that we had figured out. We would walk next to each other and not even touch. And the little hairs would just stand up on end and we could feel each other. And we would tell people haven't had an orgasm for weeks. And they're like, you haven't had sex for weeks because everybody thinks the orgasm is the end of sex that, that, you know, that if you have sex, you have an orgasm and it's like, Oh no, 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 we've been having sex. We just haven't been having orgasms and it blew their minds. You know, if I go to date someone now and I say, you know, I really like to play. I really like sex. I really like foreplay. I really like this. I would rather not have an orgasm tonight. They have no clue what I'm saying. It is like I am speaking Chinese. No, and it's even worse when we're in a swing club and you Absolutely. tell somebody, oh, I don't really care about having an orgasm. Or, mm-hmm. You know, they take that as a challenge. They to go, do. Oh, uh, that's because you have not had my mighty tongue <laughs> or whatever. And then it gets monotonous because then they're concentrating on a goal and it's like, okay, this just got boring. <laughs> so what are the advantages of orgasm? And I, I, I'm having a difficult time figuring out. It's not orgasm denial. That sounds negative. It's not orgasm control. Mm-hmm. But choosing not to orgasm is that you take away that as being the goal of having sex. Right. You know, that you know your goal now becomes simply having pleasure in whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing, not trying to get to that next step, not trying to get to that... Um, you know, the big O. Right, right, right. The whole no goal. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the big things that we teach when we talk about sacred mm-hmm. sexuality is to, to get away from the goal. Enjoy now, the moment of what you're doing. If And if orgasm occurs, if ejaculatory explosions occur, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But don't make that the focus which gets away from each step along the way let each step be significant in itself right we had um one couple come to us when we were presenting um in cincinnati on sacred sexuality and and they're like we have no goal we have no goal but sometimes we have an orgasm and it's like ah your goal just became to not have orgasm. Right, right. You know, so you didn't go no goal, you went no orgasm, which became your goal. If you mm-hmm. go no goal and you have an orgasm, then you should enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, another aspect of orgasm, though, on the other, maybe the almost other end of the spectrum is uh, coming at command. Yes. Now, you and I practice that to some mm-hmm. extent. Now, this does not mean I can just look at you and say, come, and you'll have an orgasm. And the reality is nobody can do that unless they're heavily hypnotized. Right. It still requires stirring the pot. It still requires some level of waking up the body, waking up the chakras, waking up the, the cons, whatever mm-hmm. terminology you want to use. 
Um, Though I did get a tingle when you said that. Well, good, good. Um, (laughs) And, you know, we almost had a problem with that where it went too far Uh or where that orgasm by command became an issue. So what you and I have practiced that Mm -hmm. as we are working on your orgasm prior to you being... Uh, having an orgasm, you have to ask permission. Right. And there will be times, because I'm a dick, well, I will just... <laughs> and I'll, you'll end up I'm asking, begging. Yes, you'll ask again and again and again. And eventually, I'll just I'll say, come. Mm-hmm. And boom, you have the big explosion just from that. Mm-hmm. You had an interesting situation, though, when you started to play with other people. I did. I could not have an orgasm with somebody else. Because I had gotten used to your voice. And that was the trigger for me. Mm-hmm. So, so being with somebody else, it, it got very complicated. I had to, I had to work on that. So, I mean, if you were there with us, I would still ask you, right, right. <laughs> you know, and your voice is there, but, um, yeah, it gets to where your body gets used to that anchor. Mm-hmm. So I don't like using the word trigger for something positive, but, sure. um, it got used to the anchor of your voice Be, and, it's really kind of amazing because I'm one of those women that um, would come to, you know, realize that she has, I have a very difficult time having an orgasm, Mm -hmm. you know, play, 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 love to play, love to play, but um, very difficult to have an orgasm. And when we went through this uh, voice control thing, you know, now all of a sudden I'm able to, you know, I can get to the edge and instead of having difficulty, I beg when you give permission, I'm able to have an orgasm. So now I'm with other guys and they don't get it. So it's not like I can ask them because they'll have no clue how to answer. And I don't know that their voice would work. Mm -hmm. So I had to work on that. And I think really all we had to do was to have that conversation that you have permission to come. I think that, yeah. And I think that helped your you know what? Uh, maybe a mental block. I don't know if the right terminology for it is. Maybe a- could be because you know being slave. You know sometimes it it felt um, disrespectful. Mm. You know because we had worked on that so much. So mm-hmm. being in an MS relationship, you know there's some there's a little bit of hurdles in in that way. Which it's well worth it, but mm-hmm. you know just something else to learn. Yeah, well, one of the things that we're not representing on this particular podcast, mm-hmm. we're trying to get. Um, our friend Jay, lack of a better name, mm-hmm. who to come on and talk about controlling a male's orgasm. And in this regards, we're talking about orgasm denial. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a huge subculture around controlling a male's orgasm, mm-hmm. not letting them have it, letting them, making them have them. Right. Um, and we really don't have the expertise or the background to talk about it. I've never had a person controlling my orgasm that wasn't Mm-mm. me. Right. Um, and you've never worked with another male with that, you know, mm-hmm. control and not letting them come or letting them come or all that kind of stuff. No. Fortunately, we have kinky friends that have that. We just don't have them on the podcast tonight. So that'll be uh, the big old part two where we talk about male awesome. orgasm, external control by someone else, I guess. Right. So, and um, I think I just figured out who you meant by Jay. Oh. So, because it just popped in my head. Oh, wait, we could talk to... Oh, same initial. Okay. (laughs) But, um, yeah, you know, I was just in our local leather store today, the chamber Mm -hmm. and, um, very prominent in the, the first glass case are the cock cages. Yes. You know, so that the boys can't have an erection, you know, and these things come with locks. 
Yeah. They are not allowed to touch themselves. They are not allowed to have an erection. I mean, can you imagine pretty girl walk by or guy, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and you're trapped in steel? No. No. <laughs> I know you can't. <laughs> no, I cannot. But you're quite right. There are people that will, that will look at that and go, wow, I wish I had that. Or, mm-hmm. So we'll have to bring in somebody who understands that stuff and uh, can talk to us about that. That'll be a great educational opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you want to say about orgasms? Obviously, they're wonderful. We can talk about the physiological aspect. Uh, we have a little bit of an oddity in that um, sometimes after I come, instead of rolling over and going to sleep, I like to jump up and do something. Yeah, so kind of where I like to roll over and go to sleep, which is I, why I But don't. if I lay still for five minutes, I, I realize, oh, wait, never mind. Fuck that. So, well, you know, and that's how I got around um, some of the, the, uh, the challenge. You know, when I was with someone, it's like, and I would tell them I don't want to have an orgasm, mm-hmm. so they would take it as a challenge. I would look at them in the eye and say, no, because when I have an orgasm, it'll be okay if I have one, but afterwards, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not a multi-girl. Well, I've, uh, <laughs> we're kind of changing that up recently, but um, you know, I'm not usually a multi-girl, mm-hmm. and I put so much energy into what I'm doing that when the peak is reached... I'm on the other side of the mountain, and it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> if you want to play for hours, just keep me going. Well, there you go. So, um, I guess I guess that's it. For I guess that's our discussion it. So, about it. But you know what? Hmm. I did have a little visual just a second ago. Uh-oh. Do you remember when when you would tell me to masturbate at home, but before I could come, I had to call you at work. And ask permission. <laughs> that is probably not appropriate use of my work time. Oh, that's right. <laughs> now, water under the bridge now. They laid me off. They didn't fire my ass anyway for... That was a long time ago. That was yeah, a long time ago, long so time who cares? <laughs> um, so one of the things we haven't talked about but uh, is the idea of multiple orgasms, mm-hmm. even forced orgasms. Mm-hmm. You know, making somebody come... Oh, I don't know. According to our interview guest rule of three, I believe he used the term 25 to 30 times. Yeah, if not more. Yeah. I, you know what? You've gotten me up to four or five. Okay. <laughs> That's rough enough. <laughs> Couldn't imagine over and over and over again. I think that would just be exhausting. I'm sure it is exhausting. <laughs> um, and it's probably ex- exhausting for rule of three as well. I would imagine so. So, Don, you like the orgasms just fine. And normally, <laughs> orgasms happen as a result of play. Yes. And sometimes I like to not have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. But I don't normally think of what we do as playing with the orgasm. No, not really. We don't usually have a goal like that. So, it's kind of interesting. Some it, people do. Some people do. And we happen to have run into Rule of Three, a uh, presenter out in the Midwest. And uh, uh, Rule of Three, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. And my understanding is you do a class of some sort related to orgasm play. Right. I, I, I call it, are you coming to this class? <laughs> <laughs> so so what's, the, what's the point? You're either coming or you're not, right? Well, there, I don't like to think of orgasms as like a goal, but you can really use them as a tool to manipulate people and manipulate a scene and as well as um, using a tool to increase, like, a neurochemical flow as well. Well, that sounds (laughs) schmancy. 
What does that mean to use it as part of your play? I mean, I mean, I guess classically you think of a scene, whether it's a BDSM scene or a sexual scene, if it's going to include an orgasm, it's kind of the end of the scene, right? Right. But in, in a lot of scenes, you can go beyond the orgasm. I mean, the orgasm can be the goal, but how you get there is really a journey and, and can be... Um, it can be an excellent way to express an experience with each other as well. So, like, for example, you could, you could do teasing or something leading up to an orgasm, and that could be the scene unto itself. So do you involve um, orgasm denial in, I the, do. in the play? I, I find orgasm denial is very, very hot. Yes. Um, and... Oftentimes, I, I will do more of a teasing type thing, and but going on long term, longer term denial or chastity as well. Um, I don't go very long, but I have my partners just refrain from orgasming for usually a day or two, and that that usually proves to be sufficient. Nice. And, <laughs> and for me, that really it really increases the intensity because I. I really like the thought that they're horny and the reason that they're holding back on something that they really want to do is because I've told them to, so there's an element of control. Um, and of course, whenever you're denied something, that's that's exactly what you think about all the time. And sure. I find... Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I do find that they're a lot more um, compliant as well the next time I see them after, after about a chastity. So we have orgasm denial. What about, um, do, well, is there begging involved? I find begging very hot. <laughs> um, just to have the, the control once again. Right. The power and the dependency. I mean, I'm, I'm the key to their sexual satisfaction. So definitely begging is in there. Now, you, you'd said you, uh, a day or so of orgasm denial. Um, do you ever have special situations where you go beyond that? Um, I really haven't gone much beyond that, just because I love giving orgasm so much. That's really about the extent for, for both sides. Um, granted, there have been a couple longer times where just where we haven't got a chance to see each other or something like that. And I have done longer since the play there, but it has not been as, I would say, as intense of a short period of time where you know that in the foreseeable future something's going to happen. Right. So it's always on your mind sort of thing. Right. Because it's coming up very, very soon. So for me, that's, that's more immediate. And they've also reported that it's really, I guess, distracting, at least in the short run. Right. What about the other direction? Do you talk in your class at all about going forced orgasms? Definitely. I love forced orgasms as well. Um, and actually, forced orgasms are the way that I've brought a lot of partners to multiple orgasms as well. Mm -hmm. um, but having someone restrained and totally under my control and having them come and come again, all the pleasure... Um, and eventually, it becomes very sensitive and uh, discomfortable. 
uncomfortable. And then once again, they get another wave of pleasure until basically they just can't handle it anymore. So the last couple people I've done that with, right around like the 25 or 30 orgasm mark is where they, they really start becoming very sensitive. I would imagine so. That's a lot of coming. <laughs> it, it really is. I've had more people read out from from forced orgasms than really anything else. I, and I assume when you talk in talking the twenty five number that you're talking about more of a uh, about working with females. Yes. <laughs> I assumed so. Yes. <laughs> That'd be kind of hard to do with a guy. Do you talk about particular techniques or uh, skill sets that you use in in bringing somebody to a dozen orgasms? Really, I I believe that I've been blessed by having partners with very high sex drives, so that that has been very helpful. Um, what I tend to do is alternate between a clitoral stimulation and more of a G-spot stimulation, and by going back and forth, I've generally had a lot of good good results there. Um, I think one thing people shouldn't be afraid of is using toys, um, because really, at the end of the day, your hand will start to hurt if you... If you <laughs> I imagine so. So, what about coming on command? Have you been uh, able to incorporate that in? Coming on command and voice control are especially especially powerful to me um, just because it, it shows that it's that someone has become so well trained or my program has become so integrated into them that it really becomes a part of them and this is like a visible demonstration of that. So what do you mean by voice control? So I basically have a term. I say come girl and mm-hmm. then she orgasms. So it's not something that happens right away. It takes a lot of progress and repetition and training, but eventually it is able to be done. Right. So we've got our own little phrase, don't we? (laughs) So, well, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. So It, it really is. And the fact that it's so, it's so quick, it's so easy um, makes it able to incorporate into a lot of different circumstances. Right. So, so during your class, do you um, do you actually talk about the skills that you can use? Do you have a lot of stories? Do you have? I really, I really do find that it is really important to add personal examples mm-hmm. and personal stories, just because. I mean, it's a progress and a journey that I've been on, and I think people learn from that as well. Do you use a demo model? <laughs> I do. I have a couple different I have a couple different girls who are voice controlled. Right. Um, to various extents and they are very helpful in demonstrating it. A lot of people are actually shocked and they ask, is it real? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess just because it's such a I guess a foreign concept or a lot of people have to work very hard towards orgasming. Right. Having it be so simple is just kind of shocking. A bit so. Cool. Well, um, one more question for you, if you don't mind. Okay. Have you ever encountered somebody that 
you've been unable to bring to orgasm. I know there's there's a few people that say, oh, I, I do not orgasm. I don't know how or I can't. I, I have. I've actually run into a couple people. Um, and I don't claim to be this all-knowing guru for orgasms um, simply because it, it really depends on the individual so much. And everyone is built differently and responds differently to different stimuli. Um, I did have one partner who who I believe just wasn't mentally ready herself to to give that over to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very inhibiting. Um, just by being open and accepting to something that happens or something that you do with a partner is really, is really key. Because that mental block is, I think, something that no matter what I would do, really would be difficult to remove. Right, right. So... Okay. Well, if uh, if I wanted to pick your brain about orgasm techniques or have you come out to an event and teach a class, how would I get a hold of you? Uh, you could take a look and shoot me a fet mail on FetLife on Rule of Three, or else you could drop me an email at chicagoageplayers at gmail.com. All right. Good deal. Well, thanks for uh, coming on here and... Um, Talking a little bit about this with us, I think I am going to go have a completely non-forced but pretty darn easy <laughs> orgasm myself. Heretic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Visit Adventures in Sexuality at adventuresinsexuality.org. Want to be a part of Erotic Awakening? Want to share about your favorite kink, an event, podcast, or book? <laughs> Toss us an email at Dan and Dawn <laughs> at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Let's hear what you have to say. Did you know you could buy an Erotic Awakening t-shirt, messenger bag, or coffee mug? Visit the shop and support page at Erotic Awakening website. The dollar we make when you buy a anything goes to printed <laughs> cartridges for the podcast. Thank you for your support. And music heard on Erotic Awakening is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information at music.podshow.com. Bye, Don. Bye, Dan. Well, we're just doing a little testy test. You don't need a pen to do a test. Oh, I got okay. Me. Well, I would like to number mine like yours. I better get your own damn pen. Oh, damn it! Come on, oh, comfy and.